Good morning, Hope Harbor, and welcome to Resurrection Sunday. He is alive. And isn't that a wonderful video about a tremendous thing our Lord did? We give him all the praise and honor and glory. And it took me 30 years to preach somebody to death. But praise the Lord, he raised him back up again. Hallelujah. I want to go into a time of prayer before we get into the word today, talking about our own personal awakening. So let's do that together. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your word. We thank you that it has free course. We thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher of the church, is not bound by location, not bound by where we are or where we are not. That today, by your spirit, we're united around your word. We have revelation flowing, the word of God unfolded in our hearts to bring light. And we thank you today Lord, what you have done in Jesus, what you did in David's life, you're doing spiritually in every person who hears this broadcast today. Any person watching, we thank you, Lord. Today is their day. They have their own resurrection. They have their own coming to life. And we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk about your personal awakening today specifically. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 25, going to read from verse 1 through verse 13. At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Now, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he also said, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And I want you to notice something about the days that we're living in, the circumstances that we're living in. You know, if you look at it from different perspectives, you'll see different things. You may see a motive on the part of the Chinese. You may see somebody's motivation politically. You may see, you know, somebody, you know, thinking that this is, you know, God's effort to, to destroy people. But in reality, I want you to see it from God's perspective. He sees down into the future. He knows what's happening, but he can take something the devil meant to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's been a lot of stealing killing and destroying, and take that thing and use it as a marker. Use it as a point in time to get everyone else's attention while they're focusing on the wrong motives, while they're focusing on the wrong initiators of what's happened. He can take that thing and say to the world, look, I'm coming, and I'm coming very soon. In Luke chapter 21, verse 11, from the Amplified Classic Version, it says this, There will be mighty and violent earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences, plagues, malignancies, contagions, and infectious epidemic diseases, which are deadly and devastating. And there will be sights of terror and great signs from heaven. 
The reality is something is going on spiritually, and if you have an awakening in your life right now, you can sense this. It's bigger than economics. It's bigger than disease. It's bigger than toilet paper. It's bigger than face masks. It's bigger than anything that man would point to during this season, during this hour. Several years ago, the church for a pastor appreciation day gave us a beautiful grandfather clock. And you know, I noticed something about that clock. You know, just when it's about to chime at the top of the hour, the quarter hour, or the half hour, you can always hear the gears beginning to move just slightly before you can hear the chime. Well, I believe, child of God, that we're hearing the gears in God's clock. I believe with all of my heart he's trying to tell us things like Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is upon thee. Romans 13, 11. And do this, understand in the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Ephesians 5.14, this is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 1 Corinthians 15.34 says it this way, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. Then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 5 and 6, You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. You know, the concept or the phrase great awakening, that's not an accident that it's called that. It means to wake up. It means to begin with this sleeping giant, the church. It all starts with prayer and repentance and holiness and reprioritization. You see, every great awakening is preceded by personal and individual awakening. And that's what's happening now in our land. Awaken means to rouse from sleep, to cause to stop sleeping, to come to your senses, to restore spiritual appetite and sensitivity. You know, the other night I was in a very, very deep and sound sleep. Uh, Kelly says that I can fall asleep faster than anybody she knows. And I uh, wake up pretty easily, too, though, when there's something going on. And in the middle of the night, about 4.30, there was a horrendous crash coming from our bathroom. It sounded like somebody falling down into something. And it was just, uh, you know, just something that just startles you. And you could say I was actually roused from sleep. Well, I didn't know what it was, so I got into my nightstand and picked up my 9mm, and I went on the hunt for whatever made the noise in our house that night. And I'm going upstairs, and I'm going downstairs, I'm looking in every room, and I'm doing my best imitation, you know, of Jason Bourne as I'm sleeking through the house trying to find what did this in the middle of the night. And so I go back into the bathroom, I'm just clueless. Well, I come to find out, she has this little plastic tub for our granddaughter, and it was leaning up against the inside of our tub, and in the middle of the night, that's what caused the damage. I almost assassinated a plastic tub in the middle of the night because I was roused from sleep. Well, that's just something that we go through from, some, from time to time, but I'm telling you that what God is trying to do with us right now is rouse us from the slumber, rouse us from the sleep. It's been well said that if we all want to just go back to normal, then we're missing the point. We should never go back to normal. We should be more on fire for God, more in love with God, and more compassionate towards others than we've ever been before. Well, what causes people to go to sleep in the first place? Well, first of all, sin puts us to sleep as a child of God. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Come to your senses and stop sinning. 
The Bible says, I gave my mind to knowledge and to searching for wisdom and the reason of things and to the discovery that sin is foolish and that to be foolish is to be without one's senses, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. In other words, what happens is sin actually dumbs down your sensitivity, your ability to understand and perceive what's going on. Peter said it like this, that when you sin, you war against your own soul, meaning it causes damage to your mind, your will, and your emotions. You can't possibly be awake if you're still willfully disobeying the commands of God. Number two is shamelessness. Shamelessness in our culture will put you to sleep. The Bible's very plain. Shameless nation, come to your senses, Zephaniah said in chapter 2, verse 1. This means that people have no concern for the perception of wrongdoing or guilt. In other words, nothing makes this culture blush anymore. It's one thing for the culture to be that way. It's one thing for the world to be that way. It's a whole other matter when people inside the church no longer blush at things that they should be blushing at. Number three is strife. Strife will put us to sleep. Scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26, Come to your senses and escape from the trap of the devil. In other words, when you get into strife, the devil takes you captive to do actually his will. What does this mean? It means the habit of grudge holding. Some of y'all just need to let some things go today. What a wonderful day to do it. If you knew that what you were holding in, your unforgiveness, your bitterness, that thing that happened to you years ago, if you knew that, that was causing you to dumb down spiritually, if you knew that you were losing your sense of being alert and vital and alive because of you holding on to that, you'd let it go today. And Resurrection Sunday is a really good day to let it go. Selfishness is another thing that puts us to sleep. Scripture says of the prodigal, when he came to his senses, he went back to his father. This means that we live to please ourselves above all others. You know, think about the story of the prodigal. There was a son who took all of his father's money, his inheritance, and went off in wild living and found himself in a pig pen of sin. But there was another brother who stayed back behind. You see, the pig pen for the brother that was out there in wild living was a pig pen of rebellion. He was asleep literally in the night, immorality, addiction, and greed. But the other brother brother was asleep in the light. He was in a pig pen of religion. He was walking around with an ornamental Christian, a bitter Christian, you know, self-righteousness and judgmental. The scripture never does tell us that the other brother came out of his pig pen. So you can see selfishness is not just the guy that's in the pig pen of sin. He can also be in the pig pen you know, of having an attitude towards others and what about me? And I never got my go to, to celebrate with my friends, that mindset. But sensuality also will put you to sleep. The Lord says, wine, both old and new, is robbing my people of their senses. Hosea 4.11 says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more, Ephesians 4.19. What this means, sensuality, people automatically jump to sexuality, and that's related, but it simply means to be sense-ruled. Whatever your senses find, that's what you go. Scripture tells us that we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight, but the sensuous person is living to fulfill and satisfy the natural senses. Then sorrow will also put us to sleep. 
Paul said these words, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. There's a way to sorrow with people who have no hope, then there's a way to sorrow with people who have hope, and it's not the same. And if you're not careful, all you can see, all you're fixated on right now, you're perpetually earthly-minded, stuck in that sorrow. You can't stay vibrant and, and, and very you know, much alive spiritually when you're doing that. So let the Lord minister to you and realize a child of God does not sorrow or grieve like people in the world. Then a thing called syncretism, which is a very dangerous trend right now in this nation. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy Jesus said of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll, Revelation 22:18. In other words, you're not supposed to add to and you're not supposed to subtract from what God has given us. Well, with syncretism, you amalgamate or you combine different religions and cultures and schools of thought. Take some things, add some things at will, toss some things aside at will, and now you have this perverted form of Christianity that is not at all biblical. And as you do that, you're going to become more and more dense, not more and more alive spiritually. This is how we begin to slumber. This is how we who are, are Christians, born again, love God, spirit-filled, can become very dense in terms of our spiritual sensitivity and how awake we are. Well, how can you tell if you need an awakening? Well, first of all, probably right now in this nation, if you're breathing, you could use an awakening. But beyond that, number one, you walk with God in a more ornamental and religious way than a personal and devout way. We know Every person knows if they're living at their highest level with God or not. Are they at the pinnacle or are they somewhere in between the ditch and the mountain? We have to be honest with ourselves. You know, if our walk is just going through the motions, if our walk is just ornamental, then we've got a problem. Number two, you manifest the fruit of the flesh more than the fruit of the Spirit. And if you've been out and about... Uh, been to some stores or been out there, you've seen a lot of flesh. Well, if this begins to be your, your tendency as a child of God, and instead of walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, you're manifesting the flesh, you know if you've got a problem. In fact, you can't stay out of God's presence, stay out of His Word, stay away from His people very long. You can't stay out of fellowship, however we are fellowshipping right now, through technology or, you know, in live person-to-person -person worship services. You can't, you know, ignore all of that and somehow manifest the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to have to shore up those things that will produce that life of the spiritual person. Third, you lost your appetite for the word for prayer, for service and gathering of the saints. You love to comment on everything under the sun. You love to comment on this crime and on that policy, this politic, this politician, you know, this little stupid thing, this little meme. But you have no time for the word anymore, no time for prayer, no time for church, no time for serving God. You got a problem. You need an awakening. Then number four, you've returned to behaviors and practices that you gave up for Christ long ago. And this is a big deal. If you find yourself excusing things that God convicted you about when you first got saved, you need to go back to your first love and realize you need an awakening. Because if he told you 15, 20 years ago to put it away, I promise you that's a standing order from the Lord for your life. You've gone back to practices, gone back to attitudes, gone back to behaviors. You need an awakening in your own life. 
And then number five, you make every excuse in the book for not participating in the things of God. Well, I've got this I'm busy with. Well, I've got this thing I've got to do. Well, the kid has to play this game or has this activity. You know, I just feel like going. I had a long day at work. When you think about what Jesus did and what Resurrection Sunday actually means to us and the importance of what he did for you and for me coming up from that grave, I'm glad he had time for us to step off the throne and come down and minister and do what only he could do. You see, when you begin to make all those excuses, now all of a sudden, you know, you have a, a great indicator, an alarm bell, a gear is moving telling you you need a personal awakening. What's interesting right now, can't watch any game on television. You know, you can't go to a concert. You can't sit in some sports arena. So right now you have plenty of time to experience a great awakening. What a waste it would be to go through this season and come out even denser spiritually than you were before. How about come out on fire for God? How about it be a mystery to everybody that knows you? Last time they saw you, you were in this place spiritually, but now you're up on the mountaintop walking with God because you're on fire. You've had your own personal awakening. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ has hit your heart heart and life today, and you are never the same. I want to talk about these virgins for just a moment because they had several things in common. Then I want to encourage you about how to get in and maintain an awakening in your own life. First of all, they were all virgins. It means in this story, they were all separated unto God for a special purpose. God had a design and a plan for all of them. Number two, they were all born again. How do we know that? Because they all had lamps, and the lamps contained the oil, typology for the Holy Spirit. They had the Spirit. They were all on the same page. These are people who all had an experience with God. Number three, they were all invited to meet the bridegroom. Every single one of them had the chance to meet him. But not all of them were ready. Not all of them were awake. Fourth, they all fell asleep. Waiting, as most of us do. When's he coming back? Well, I've been hearing this all my life, and here we sit. Now we're in a mess in this world. When's he going to come back? Well, lots of us fall asleep or slumber in the waiting. That doesn't make this necessarily a terrible person, but we need to come to our senses. The question is, what happens when that sound comes, when that trumpet blasts? Are we ready? Are, are our lamps trimmed? Is the oil there? That's the question. So we all have these things in common. The question is, how do you stay awake in times like this? How do you have a personal awakening? I believe in the Great Awakening. Uh, when we um, had this service on March 4th, I introduced the concept of the miracle capital of the world, talked about God's desire to pour out miracles like he never has before and through the masses, not just through individuals on a platform. And that very night, you know, David Gossam died and the Lord brought him back to life again. Why would, ha why would that happen in that particular context? It's almost as if the, the enemy was saying, oh yeah, we'll see about that. Well, God was saying, you know what? Oh yeah, we are going to see about that and we're going to see more and more of this happening in these end times, but we're going to have to have a personal awakening to be a part of that. We're going to have to come alive. Look at these circumstances around the world. Look at the circumstances in your country and realize that God is a God that is all-powerful. He is mighty. He's not lost his power. He is no less powerful than the day he was raised from the dead. We just need to get into right position ourselves to enjoy the kind of awakening that he offers. I read a story just the other day regarding the COVID-19 outbreak in Israel. Yes, it is the Passover week for the Jewish people. And listen to this. Every person that got the virus has been healed so far. Let me say that again. I didn't stutter. Every person they reported that got the virus has been restored. 
That's our God. You know what that is to me? It's a sign and a wonder. Turn to somebody right now and tell them, it's time to wake up. Tell them again, it's time to come alive, to come awake again like we're supposed to be. Well, how do you have that personal awakening in your own life? Well, real simply and first of all today, stay together. Stay together. Stay connected. Stay involved. Stay in community. Be together. The further you move from the people of God, the more likely you are to fall asleep. If you're tuned in right now, and thank you for being involved in the part of this, you're either on our website, our app, or Roku, or on Facebook, you're doing your best to stay connected. There are a lot of people who have not lifted a finger to stay connected to the body of Christ during this season. And why should they? They disconnected a long time ago thinking there was nothing valuable to being connected to the house of God. Can I tell you something? Only the people that were in that room got invited that day. Only five of the ten made it, but at least they were there. They were contenders to be invited to that banquet. We've got to stay together in these times. And if that's been you, you know, making every excuse under the sun not to be in the house of God. Listen, I want to personally invite you right now when we get the all clear and we begin to see God move in this situation so that we can gather again. I want you to be here because we are going to have a celebration like we've never had before. I don't want you to, from that point on, value being together value being a part of the body. Number two, stay alert. The more you're distracted and mesmerized by the things of this world, the more likely you're going to fall asleep. It's time to start binging on what makes us alert rather than what makes us dull and drowsy. Some of you can talk about every season from, you know, this, this particular series or that particular television show or this particular series of movies. But what have you heard from God lately? What have you binged lately on in terms of the word of God or in terms of the things of God? No, we need to stay together, but we also need to stay alert. And watch what's going on. The more you focus on these other things, the less you'll be entranced by the things of God and what he's doing in these last days. Number three is stay filled. Turn to somebody and tell them, stay filled. Stay filled with the word. Stay filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to live out of the overflow with oil to spare. The ones that missed it were the ones whose lamps ran out and they had made provision to stay filled, to stay on fire for God. It's not just eking by. Lots of people are just barely breathing spiritually. God wants you to be living the abundant life, the full life, the victorious life. God wants you to be more than a conqueror. He wants you to be an overcomer. This is the year of triumph. It's not the year of failure. It's not the year of just eking by. You need to invest your time and your talent and your treasure in those things that will produce life in you, that will produce more of the things of the Spirit, more of the Spirit of God, more of the wisdom of God. Stay filled. And you're finding out, you've not been able to gather as a church, but on your own, you're finding out that if you'll seek Him, you'll find Him. If you ask Him, He will fill you. If you are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, you'll be filled. And then number four today, you need to stay together, stay alert, stay filled, and stay current. What does that mean? It means that a lot of people are slumbering at markers in the historical calendar of God. There are some people that are stuck at the manger. That's where they hang out. 
That's the, the, the sum total of the development of their spiritual life. Other people are stuck at the cross. Thank God for it. We would be done. But Jesus isn't on the cross anymore, and his body shouldn't be hanging around the cross either. Some are stuck at the tomb. We celebrate his resurrection, but that's not the mission, staring at the tomb until Jesus comes back. What we need to be is current. We need to be looking up, as the Bible says, because our redemption draws near. In other words, you live differently when you're looking for his return. By saying stay current, I mean go and appreciate the manger, appreciate the cross, appreciate the tomb, but look up for your redemption draws nigh. This same Jesus that the disciples saw depart will come again. And if you haven't learned anything, listen again to what I am saying. COVID-19 and its consequences are nothing more than the sound of the gears turning on our father's grandfather clock. And it could chime any time now. Listen to these words from Paul in 1 Thessalonians and be encouraged by them. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are still at the coming of the Lord, will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Let me say it again. Just before the clock chimes, you can hear the gears turning. My brothers and sisters, the gears on the clock of heaven are turning. You can hear them if you are alive. I want to pray with you, if you would, for just a moment. Reach out and, and grab your partner's hand, your spouse's hand, you know, your child's hand, whatever it is you're doing right now. I want you to, to believe God and just ask him, to search your heart right now. Do, do you, you know, have a vibrant, alive, awakened Christianity? Or are you slumbering today? Which virgin are you? The one with the oil or the one who let the oil run out? Who? Who? Who is running your life? Who is guiding your life? Who is the Lord over your life? Are you alive today? Are you staying together? Are you staying alert? Are you staying filled? Are you staying current? Is your walk with God up to date? Is it fresh? Is your faith fresh today? You know, as you bow your head and you close your eyes, you say to yourself, to be honest, you know, I'm not awake. I realize that. I am not where I need to be. Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ or you've just slipped away. This is that time. It's one of the most memorable things I've ever seen in serving God in the house of God have been on Easter Sundays, just like this. This is unique. Never had this happen before. But you know, it makes no difference whether you're here physically or not because the Lord is where you are. His spirit is there talking to you right now. This is the time. This is the season. All these other distractions right now, 
have been punctuated. They're, they're not even factors. This is a great time to give him all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength and live for him like you never have before. So I want you to pray this with me out loud. And mean it with all your heart. This is the time to say, Lord, you raised Jesus from the dead. Lord, you raised David from the dead and gave him new life. Lord, I want you to raise me today spiritually to a place where I am more alert, more awake than I've ever been in my entire life. Pray this with me and say, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you today to search my heart. I realize I am not awake. I am not alive as I should be. I understand your heavenly clock is about to chime. I can hear the gears turning. So I ask you today, forgive me all of my sin. I ask you to receive my life and set it aflame for the cause of Christ. I believe in my heart. God raised Jesus from the dead. I say with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I say today, I am becoming alive because I understand that confession is made unto salvation. I'm getting the message loud and clear. A great awakening is coming, but the great awakening is preceded by personal awakening. This is my day. This is the very day where I came back to life, more in love with God, more on fire for God, more of God than I had the day before. And I give you my life and I ask you to do what you want to do with it from this day forward in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for them right now that you begin to move supernaturally, that that supernatural resurrection power would hit them right now in a way they never experienced. Thank you, Father, for your salvation. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for new life. Right now, you're ministering to them. Lord, you're receiving them. They're experiencing forgiveness, Lord. They're experiencing a fresh start. They're experiencing a new thing that you're doing in them. Lord, turn them away from the things of old to a new thing, a fresh vision for their life. And I thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Lord, what you're getting ready to do on this earth, these that are watching are well qualified. They're ready to participate. They're ready to be a part of this end time harvest. And I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now listen, before we sing this last song, what I want you to do is either contact us on Facebook or send us an email if you're watching by one of the other you know, avenues and let us know that you became alive today. You gave your life to Christ today. That you experienced a personal awakening for yourself today. And you do that, we'll be sending you some information that will help you, a packet that will just build you up and encourage you in your walk with God. So do that even while you're watching right now. Just take that little simple step and message us or email us let us know. Hey, I gave my life to Christ on Easter Sunday, 2020. You know, nobody but the volunteers here in the house, but right there where you are, the Lord met you. Right there where you are, the Lord loved you and reached out to you. This is a wonderful day to get things right with God.